Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 30th of September. COVID isolation requirements could be scrapped altogether, with New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet leading the new push at today's National Cabinet meeting. State and Territory leaders will discuss the easing of the rules, with Mr Perrottet saying it's time to start treating COVID like any other illness. We've made great inroads um, as as a National Cabinet. I believe in consistency and consensus where they is possible Uh, and I believe we need to get to a point where if you seek your stay at home and if you're not uh, you get out and about and enjoy life. But the AMA says if the five-day isolation period is scrapped Australians need to see the health advice. Here is the Vice President Dr Danielle McMullen. Any reduction in isolation periods or changes to the public health measures for COVID-19 should be based on health advice and that that advice should be publicised and and transparent to the people of Australia so that they know how governments are making these decisions. Overseas now, and US President Joe Biden is warning we need to prepare for, quote, a substantial loss of life as Hurricane Ian continues to wreak havoc. Experts say the system, which made landfall at a near Category 5 storm in Florida yesterday, is one of the worst ever recorded in US history. Here is President Biden, who spoke overnight. This could be the deadliest hurricane in Florida's history. The numbers of still are still unclear, but we're hearing early reports of what may be substantial loss of life. Streets were turned into rivers as near 250 kilometre an hour winds whipped across parts of Florida and up to a five metre storm surge decimated coastal towns. These local residents telling Channel 7 it was terrifying. You only have one life, so you have to worry about it. Trying to find somewhere to go, but... It's like every road is like flooded, so we can't really go anywhere, but I'm just scared for my family. The now tropical storm is tracking off the coast and is expected to hit South Carolina over the weekend. Queen Elizabeth II's death certificate has been officially released to the public overnight, revealing the late monarch passed away from old age. The document confirms Britain's longest reigning monarch died at the age of 96 at Balmoral Castle in Scotland at 10 past 3pm local time on the 8th of September. It comes after hundreds of people lined up outside Windsor Castle, where Queen Elizabeth II was laid to rest last week as it reopened to the public. Still overseas, an Australian professor and economist, Sean Turnell, has been sentenced to three years jail in Myanmar. He's been sentenced for allegedly violating the country's official state secrets act while working as an advisor to the former leader. Former Australian ambassador to Myanmar, Nicholas Koppel, has told the ABC it's time to negotiate. I mean, if there is any silver lining to this is that the military now will be contemplating what next to do with him. And in previous cases where foreigners have been detained in Myanmar, they have pardoned them and then um, deported them. So the next steps, I think, for the Australian government will be to try and negotiate. Back home now, and it's set to be a very busy weekend at many of the nation's airports with school holiday travellers and also thousands of fans flying into Sydney for the NRL Grand Final. Travellers are also being reminded daylight saving starts on Sunday morning and Brisbane Airport spokesperson Peter Doherty has this important advice for anyone flying interstate. 
I guess the biggest thing is to be aware that that change is coming. And because Queenslanders don't have daylight saving, we haven't had it for many, many years, just being aware that that change is happening so that they don't get caught out in Sydney or New South Wales or anywhere else. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. Very important inflation figures released yesterday. It's quite confusing breaking down all the details. There's good and bad news. The good news, we've seen a slight decrease in inflation in the month of August compared to July, but it is still concerningly high. So what does that mean for interest rates moving forward? Tash, good morning. That's a beautiful way to ask the question because that's exactly what's been happening. The ABS, the Bureau of Statistics, has released some monthly inflation numbers for the first time. We used to get them quarterly. So there's some good news there for the optimists. There's some bad news for the pessimists. Turns out, while the last reported quarterly numbers, that was the June quarter, was 6.1%, which was high enough, the month of July got as high as 7%, which in the space of a couple of months is obviously a really concerning number. The good bit for the optimists, or maybe those who are hoping, maybe even beyond hope that the trend is changing, is the month of August, the most recent data, actually showed a moderate decline. So, yep, compared to the June quarter, inflation still rising, but on a monthly basis, it's gone down just a little bit. Fruit and veg prices, believe it or not, one of the key contributors to that falling. Again, those monthly numbers are new. we kind of got to get used to them. Uh, good news if you like to see the trend reverse, and we all should, but still, as you say, very, very high and something the RBA is going to be watching very closely. So will they move again on the cash rate then with the RBA, considering uh, there has been a slight decrease? I think they've got to. I, I, what it might do is change the pace of the increase they might have otherwise put through. If they are looking for good news, if they're hoping, uh, the RBA is good on hope. <laughs> That's why they took so long to increase rates in the first place. If, they, if they're looking for something and they're looking for an excuse not to go hard again, uh, they may well pull back to a quarter of a percent. They may be already going to do that anyway, uh, but it will be touch and go. There is so much internationally going on right now. They will have to try and work out whether to go gentle and hope it's enough or go hard and hope it's not too much. It's a really tough call this month. Yeah, and talking about the cost of living inflation, we've seen many of our gas and electricity bills soar. And talking about that, AGL has announced really surprisingly that they're going to close their coal-fired power station in 2035, 10 years earlier than expected. But does that mean there's going to be more pressure on supply and therefore higher prices? That is exactly the pre- what it's going to mean, unfortunately. So Luoyang A is the biggest power station, the largest uh, carbon emitter in the country. So environmentally, really good news that it's closing early, but that's only really good news if we can replace the power generation with something else. And this is the challenge. AGL is a private company. It's got to do what it thinks is in its best interests. And at the moment, look, I don't blame them. If you're going to invest billions of dollars to maintain or build or develop uh, capacity in in 13 years for the following 10, you're going to have a pretty good sense of what it might mean for prices, for profits. You know, if you're a shareholder, you're going to spend those billions of dollars and hope you get a good return. Probably not. But on the flip side, the government that has responsible for the whole grid and the generation and, and, and capacity you know, at large for the entire country, they've got to ask that question. Do we have enough available capacity to replace what's otherwise being lost. Look, it is 10 or 13 years from now, so we don't have to worry about it just yet. But I hope some serious people are asking those questions because we really don't want to be left without sufficient power generation come 2035. Yeah, 100%. And I didn't think this week could get any worse or 2022. Scott, the famed IKEA meatball is facing the chop. 
I'll tell you why. We thought we thought things were bad with inflation, <laughs> with interest rates, with the pound, the UK economy, everything else. But no, it turns out the uh, IKEA so the hits keep coming. IKEA really could have been a little nicer. <laughs> it turns out what they want to do. They, here's the thing: they want to move into shopping centres. Uh, so you know how big an IKEA store is, right? It's this massive wow. mammoth place. You walk into it and come out three years later with, you know, some Swedish named uh, frames and, and bits and pieces of the house you didn't <laughs> think you'd ever needed. Uh, it turns out they're going to try and get into shopping centres with basically kind of this hybrid, almost like a click and collect store. You walk in, you look and see what you want, you write it down and then either get it delivered or pick it up from a warehouse nearby. So we've gone all e-commerce on one hand. You know, IKEA's always been famously in-store, grab everything, fill the trolley. This is something in between where you go and you look around and say, yep, I'll have those things and then get them delivered. And that doesn't leave any room for the food hall. And that means, unfortunately, for those shoppers, the meatball is going to have to go. Look, there's a silver lining because I get trapped. I get stuck in IKEA. I can't work out those arrows. (laughs) You have a great weekend. Thanks, Scott. And you. Thanks, Tash. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas and Brett, a fantastic performance from our Aussie Opals at the Sydney Superdome last night. Now they've booked a spot in the semis at the Basketball World Cup. Yeah, it was a phenomenal performance. Good morning, Tash. Even though Belgium was missing its best player, uh, the Aussies were pretty much clinical uh, last night. Kayla George, top score with 19 points. Lauren Jackson chipped in with 12 points in a super efficient 14 minutes. So just one win away from the final now and a potential showdown once again with the USA. We've got got China to get through first in the semi-final. So a great win for the Opals last night uh, in Sydney, as you mentioned. Yes, so good. And we're super excited. Just two more sleeps for the Panthers and Eels fans ahead of the NRL Grand Final. And I reckon there'll be pretty nervy sleeps as well. Maybe not a full eight hours for the fans of both sides, especially Parramatta, given the weight of history, the longest premiership drought currently in the NRL at 36 years. It is the Battle of the West to decide Sunday night's mouthwatering grand final. And a league legend, Gordon Tallis, has told us that uh, he's backing Para to end that long premiership drought. I'm going to go Parramatta by four. So I'd say there'd be maybe five to six tries in the game at the most. And it's an extra special occasion for Penrith's Ivan Cleary and Para's Brad Arthur. Both coaches have sons featuring in the grand final. Nathan Cleary, the star skipper leading the Panthers attack, while Jake Arthur retained his place on the Eels bench and his dad Brad says he considers the entire team as his family. I'm excited and I'm excited for him, but I feel like, you know, I'm sure Ivan's the saying that, you know, we've got 17 sons. We're going in this weekend with 17 priorities. And I reckon the NRL is loving that these two teams made it to the grand final. Yeah, Battle of the West, who's your pick? I will go the Panthers. I think um, just that that history might count against Parramatta, the pressure on them, whereas the Panthers have been there the last two years. This will be their third in a row, and they look pretty calm and collected. Yeah, they're super strong. But I love an underdog, so hopefully fingers and toes cross the eels. And also to the AFL now, and the Bombers have appointed a new coach, poaching an executive from the league headquarters. Yeah, they have. Uh, Brad Scott, they believe, is the man to lead them back to the promised land, the Essendon Footy Club. He has been now confirmed as their new coach. He came in late to the picture, then interviewed a bunch of assistants. James Hurd um, was in the mix, but they wanted an experienced candidate, and Brad Scott is that person. He did lead North Melbourne 211 games, including two prelim final finishes, and then the past year he's been at uh, AFL HQ as their football operations manager. So he leaves that now, and he takes on the pressure of 
a big club, big resources, but that means a lot of pressure as well. Our former North Melbourne chairman, James Brayshaw, believes this is a quality move. Very good appointment. The perfect person for that place, I reckon. He will drive standards and behaviours and values as well as getting them playing really well on field. And on another footy issue, Hawthorne President Jeff Kennett has released a statement to members saying he's horrified by the experiences of First Nations players at the club. It comes as the Players Association chief, Paul Marsh, accuses the AFL of being conflicted during their investigation. We believe this needs an independent, well-resourced process, so that's what we're pushing for here, I think. I just think there's a conflict of interest there with the AFL. I think this is a big issue that needs to be handled properly and sensitively and one that all parties are prepared to buy into. On Channel 7 there, and the Big Bash League has finally agreed to introduce the DRS, the decision review season for the upcoming men's and women's seasons, Tash. Great weekend ahead. You take care. Thanks so much, Brett. And we know Jimmy Barnes is a working-class man, but now the Aussie music legend is also a doctor. The 66-year-old rock icon has received an honorary doctorate from the University of South Australia. Dr Barnes choking up when he made his acceptance speech, as well as offering some words of wisdom to the graduates listening. May you continue to strive for that kind of honour in everything you do in the years ahead. And finally, thanks to the University of South Australia for granting me this honour. I'm very emotional about it. Congratulations, Dr Barnes. And Jimmy will also be performing alongside his daughter as part of the entertainment at the NRL Grand Final this weekend. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 7am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and a lovely weekend. And we'll see you bright and early on Monday. Listener.